Good morning and welcome to Mad Village on 98.9 Northwest FM. You're here with myself, Jaime, and with Carol. Good morning, Carol. Jaime and good morning, listeners. Um, what's happening this morning, Carol? It's a beautiful Melbourne morning. Um, and, well, it's first thing Monday morning. I look forward to seeing what happens this week. Don't know. We're going to have a bit of um, an encounter with divinity this morning. Um, that sounds scary. Well, at least as close as we can get on environmentality. So this morning we're absolutely thrilled to be talking to Father Bob, who is heading here, and I think it's been dela- delayed by a bit of traffic. So in the meantime, we're going to be playing some music for you, and um, you know when he gets here, we'll start. But in the meantime, enjoy some of the latest music that has been sent to me by different uh, friends. And we're going to start with something called... Your freedom is the end of me. You're listening to Mad Village on 98.9 Northwest FM and we're still waiting for our guest this morning, Father Bob. His arrival is imminent. In the meantime, we've been playing you some music we started with uh, Melanie DiBiasio, Your Freedom is the End of Me. That was followed by I'm Not at War with Anyone by Luca Bloom. And after that, we heard Allo Black, I Need a Dollar. Um, we're going to play the first selection that Father Bob chose for us. Um, and this is a track that many of you uh, might be familiar with. All right, so um, you're listening to Mad Village on 98.9 Northwest FM. It is 20 minutes past nine. Uh, we played a couple of uh, uh, additional songs. One of them was Wind Beneath My Wings by Betty Midler. And um, after that, oh no, did we haven't played anything else. That's it. And uh, finally, we have our guest on the studio this morning, Father with Good Morning. Good morning. Okay, that's Hi perfect. Me. Yeah, you're And Carol. I can hear you now loud and clear. Thank you. I've got sinuses stuck in my head. All right. So, um, um, you're feeling a bit sick, are you? Eh? you no, I'm not sick. I've just got. I've never had sinuses for 83 and a half years, and I've had them for the last 12 months. Oh wow! So you got a violin? <laughs> poor old Bob. Oh God! I'm not used to it. You know what it's like when you're not used to something, and you've yeah. got an elderly. Yeah, we'll get through the day. I've got plenty of handkerchiefs. Father Bob, that song that we just played yes. before we sat down, Wind Beneath My Wings, yes. was one of your choices. Yes. Tell us about that. Has that been oh, an important Oh, it was a funeral. Song? It was a funeral. I was, did a funeral in a public a place. Maribyrnong, I think, uh, art centre or multicultural centre. The funeral, they decided to have a funeral for this young man who was run over by a truck in the Northern Territory. While he was up there on some kind of a political, what do you call it, demonstration. So, back to Melbourne, back to Maribyrnong, and a full hall of his family and friends. Up the front, I'm the celebrant. Up, all I have to do is make sure that the, that the, the funeral goes nicely. Up the front is a grand piano. To start off the funeral of this boy, man, the father, 
goes to the grand piano, plays the grand piano, you are the wind beneath my wings, and sings the thing. Well, I mean, that's to me, that was it was stunning. A, the father was doing it. B, he was paying a compliment to his son with his son's coffin in front of him. So I thought, that's brilliant. You are the wind beneath my wings, he was singing to his son. Mm. So it's memorable. Indeed. Yeah. Father would- and they went out with the coffin to the tune of... Always look on the bright side. <laughs> of the which is another selection that for today, which is great. You see what I mean? Yeah. And the screen behind me had, uh, what do you call those cal- uh, clowns? Singing, I think, and they were on crosses. What was that called? Monty Python. Uh-huh. Oh, from the life of now, the Now, your ordinary uh, conservative would say, no, sorry, that's not nice. And I'm saying, well, it might be nice, but it's meaningful. See what I mean? And comforting. Now, I was just going to say on Twitter, uh, you know, you have a bit of a following and quite often you will talk about how you go to weddings or funerals and things like that. It seems to me that that's, I guess, one of the favourite parts of your job. Yeah, it's crowd bathing. Mm -hmm. Crowd bathing. I read somewhere where Japanese people love going into forests. They go into forests on their own and they absorb, the what do you call it? The essential oils. They're refreshed. So I said, well, I can't find a forest. Um, and then I said, yes, you can, you fool. Go into the CBD and you'll be surrounded by a human forest. See? Now I found, lo and behold, ladies and gentlemen, as if by magic, I was refreshed by the crowd, just being there. So I decided after a while, why don't we, I enjoy uh, uh, funerals and uh, weddings and also christenings. Like, yes, crowds, you get crowds these days. And the answer is because I think it's uh, refreshing, always refreshing. And if you let people do what they want to do, whether it's a marriage or a birth or a, or a christening, Uh, or a a funeral or a christening, well, then you come out refreshed. If you try to assert yourself as a cleric, tell them this is how we do it at the ritual. See? It doesn't work. Now, a little bit of a warning for our listeners. Um, I've known Father Bob for quite a few years now, and I, I, I would describe his brain as a, you know, it's almost like a... I don't know some nuclear nuclear resource, you know, oh. and and we, we're gonna try to harness that, but oh. it might be impossible, and, and this will still be fantastic. So, but because I I did want to talk a little bit about your life. Ah, oh, my life, 1934. 1934. 1934 in the in the in the depression. Okay. Yeah. So I tell us a little bit about those early days. Oh, I don't remember much about the early days because everybody died. Mm-hmm. You see, which they're not supposed to do, and leave the child behind. You see, so they died. Nineteen thirty-four was the middle of what? The depression. We all came from Scotland. I didn't, uh, but they did. The parents came from Scotland to Glasgow in nineteen twenty-three. Uh, what? My father was a sailor. He was in the Royal Navy in World War One. He was in the Merchant Navy during. Uh, World War Two and maybe the 30s, he sailed around the coast. 
on little ships. My mother was a saint, but she was uh, a tiny saint too, by God. She was only about four foot what? Eight? Ten? Eleven? I'm making it up. She's getting smaller by the year. <laughs> um, uh, but she was, uh, and, and, and she she never lost her Scottish brogue, as they call it, the accent. Um, so I knew what she was, was talking about more or less. And she made do. I was saying to somebody yesterday, she taught me how to be a financial genius. As we speak, Jaime, I am, and my foundation is verging on being broke after 40 years. But I said to somebody yesterday, do not be afraid. Why? My mother taught me the, uh, the uh, niceties of financial management because whenever she got into a corner, which she did oftentimes because the old man was a drunk, uh, she would go down with me on the tram to a place in uh, Chapel Street, Paran, where there was a porn broker. Not a P-O-R-N broker, <laughs> a P-A-W-N broker, which the kiddies might recognise as what? Cash converters or something. Mm-hmm. So she'd put her wedding ring in and she'd get a couple of bob. I don't know how much it was you get in those days. And then we'd get back on the tram, go home and she'd manage. Then we'd go back and get the ring a week later or something. So that was the way that she managed. And I said to myself, well, that's what you'll do at the age of 83 and a half, for God's sake. <laughs> you see what I mean? Because people are panicking and saying, oh, my God, sustainability. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. Sustainability is a luxury. What we have is viability. <laughs> see? We're staying alive. <laughs> Father, how many siblings in the family? Uh, six. Because one died early in a year. Uh, before me, um, two girls, one of whom died at the age of about 21 during World War Two, with tuberculosis that she uh, uh, inherited from her boyfriend who was an American Marine. Mm. Don't ask me how she got it. And then I had a brother who lived longer than any of them, uh, died a couple of years ago, Jimmy. Uh, yeah, interesting those days because those were the days when, in fact, all the men went to war. And the women um, worked in munitions factories and things. So little Bobby Maguire was stumping around you know, from, what, 1934 to 1944. And then they started to die one after the other. The mother died. Oh, no, the father died first. Too much grog, too much smoking. Um, he died first. And then the sister died. Kathleen, God rest her soul, from TB. And then the mother for God's sake, died. How old were you then? Fourteen. So I learned to um, either sink or swim. Uh, then I moved in with my sister. Uh, they were all just recently married because, in fact, their uh, her husband came back from New Guinea in the, in the army. Uh, my brother came back from the Air Force. So they were newly married, 45, 1944, 45. However, they took it in turns. My sister took me in first, and then it was too much for her. Uh, I was too much for her. And then my brother and his wife took me in, and I stayed with them for about, what, oh, 10 years. I'm going to blow me nose. That's right. So, um... You're born in Melbourne, is that right? Yep. Yep. 
Which part? What? Which part of Melbourne? Oh, God knows. We moved all over the place because we didn't pay our rent. <laughs> did you turn that down? Yeah, I just did. So that's uh, just father blowing his nose. Uh, <laughs> Sinuses. Yeah. And yeah, so they, uh, we never paid our rent early. Um, we ended up in uh, we ended up in um, East Paran, I think would have been my longest stay. Uh, so I went to school from East Paran, up the street to Our Lady of Lourdes School, um, and then to CBC St Kilda, where uh, the Maguires went. MCGs, I'm MAG. They went, Frank and... Uh, and Eddie. Eddie. So I went to school there, survived, did all right, and then I must have decided, uh, what are you going to do now? Everybody went into the public service, you see, because the Roman Catholics then were not upwardly socially mobile, except a few of them who were in Saviour and Mandeville Hall, and, but most of us were peasants. And we... Uh, we ended up, I think everybody was grateful if they ended up in a job for life with the public service. So um, I w- that, was, that was what I would have done. But in fact, I said to myself, oh, look, I don't know, you're a bit religious because your mother was religious, got her through. So maybe you should uh, go into the priest factory, what do you call it, training place. And then uh, that was eight years. It may also, Jaime, have been a sneaky way of securing one's future because one had already had 18 years of insecurity. Did one, in fact, choose to go into the Catholic, what do you call it, uh, training facility because one knew one would be there for eight years? See, three meals a day, da-da-da-da-da come out at the age of 26, and do a bit of what? Oh, I suppose Roman Catholic-flavoured social activism. Because in those days, we were all right, the Catholics. See? We're not too crash-hot just now, (laughs) you see, but at least now we've sorted out who we are. So we've, as far as I'm concerned, you've got two Catholicisms, you've got tribal Catholicism, and you've got uh, institutional Catholicism. So, yes, Father, you. So let's spend a couple of minutes at the seminar where you oh, did your training. The, you want to get to go there? Well, yeah, where I think we? it's inter- where are we? Where are we? Churchside residence. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I mean, uh, I take it from what you're you are saying. You know, you you had faith. Yeah, and that was a that was an not option. only faith. I had imagination, mm-hmm. which I think is what faith is. And so, how how did the the years in the seminar help or hinder or? Oh, I don't know. Well, it covered you. Mm-hmm. You see, and I learned beekeeping. Okay, as, as an hobby, um, and I was impressed by all that business. You've got one at uh, Banksy Gardens. It's a beehive. Everybody works together. (laughs) 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 And there's a queen bee. That's right. See what I mean? Mm. Um, The rest are worker bees, you see. And the worker bees are the most important part of a beehive, you see. And they're ruthless to boot. Because if the drones, unfortunately, and I'm not going to go there because it's a gender issue, the drones are males. When things are tough, the worker bees 
force the drones out of the hive into the darkness and the cold because they're useless. No, I'm not going there. It's a gender issue. <laughs> you see what I mean? So that's how I learned that. But I, what else did I learn in that place? Oh, well, I learned a bit of what? Uh, we read and jumped a fair bit. We walked a fair bit. I didn't because I avoided walking long distances, which they uh, used as some kind of what? Uh, rest and recreation exercise. They used to walk to the Yangs for God's sake, from Werribee, which is a long way. Uh, and down to the mouth of the Werribee River, which is a long way. In the meantime, me and three or four other guys were in fact involved in much more creative and innovative occupations on that day that the others were walking for miles. We were at the beehives just down the... See? They're doing beautiful things like extracting honey. Beautiful so things. So... What did I learn about Jesus, Mary, well, and Joseph? Well, well what I was going to ask you, so at the seminar, uh, uh, I think there are lots of readings about the Bible and the New Testament. We're not Bible people. You see, we, got, we became institutionalized, and therefore we said, well, the bloke at the top is going to teach us everything. Then they said, well, hang on, we can't teach you everything from Rome, and you're living in South Melbourne, you're living in uh, Werribee, so we'll have bishops. They'll teach you everything locally. And then after a while, the uh, revolution came, uh, the adjournamento, or whatever it's called, and we had Vatican II revolution within the Catholic Church. And it said, listen, boys and girls, none of this business about handing down decisions about what would Jesus do, yous will make up your minds, as you do at Banksia Gardens. How do we fit in with the locals and help them with what? Reassurance, see? So to me, church is supposed to be reassur- places what? I decided the other day, because I live in Albert Park where they have the Grand Prix, the, the petrol heads running around Albert Park Lake. Um, I said to myself, well, uh, they have pit stops where they pull off the uh, track the mechanics come out and go I said well what do you want churches to be pit stops or do you want them to be uh, um, rest places you know what do you call it Um, the places where people go uh, and lie down and have a rest or something what do you want do you want parishes to be like that or do you want churches or mosques or temples or whatever ashrams uh, to be pit stops, I thought, where people drive in or go in or whatever they do, and they come out uh, uh, refreshed and, uh, what's the word, um, maintained for another trip around the track of life. So I thought that's what uh, uh, parishes ought to be. They're all over the place. Even where we are, there's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Then they're only Catholic. You've got Anglican, you've got all kinds, of, and you've got mosque. You've got all those places, if they were places of refreshment, like the Banksia Gardens is, well, then, in fact, you'd have, a, you'd have a refreshed community and not one that is frightened, which it suits the politicians so to do. You see? Our guest this morning on Mad Village is Father Bob. It, it is now almost 9.40, so 22.10. Is it Mad Radio? 
It's called Mad Village. Making a difference. Mad. Oh, bad. I thought that was, you know, words. That's what we were, bad. That so as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's exactly that's a that's a play on words. So, Father, you you came out of the of the seminar. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about yeah your social justice ideals and values. But so, what was your first um, sort of proper job after the seminar? Ah, oh, what was I first? I went to Heidelberg. Some people might know where Heidelberg is, not West Heidelberg, which had been the Olympic Village in '56 with all kinds of social issues. But up the hill and over the hill, past the Austin Hospital, was a uh, oh, very respectable Heidelberg, very respectable. But interestingly enough, as a part of the job of being a priest in Heidelberg, you had chaplaincies to, da-da, Royal Park, not Royal Park, Mont Park, mm. which was a mental health facility. You had a chaplaincy at Greswell, which was for TB sufferers, you see. And you also went through that area, it was a bloody big area, to Janefield, which was, is, a children's uh, facility for children with what was it in the old days called Down syndrome and things. So they were in another facility. Uh, we were so I mean, and also the Austin Hospital itself, where I met some remarkable people, because it was 1960, and we had we had what did we have then? Uh, Snowy River was it Snowy uh, the hydro place? Mm. You see, and I found a whole ward full of young men who had come from Europe to work on the Snowy River Scheme and there they were lying in beds because they'd broken their backs and they're never going to walk again because machinery had run over them or rocks had fallen on them. See? And I never knew that. And then when I left South Melbourne Parish in, 19, in 2012, who was in the church as I walked out the aisle but a bloke in a wheelchair. And I hadn't seen him since 1961. Wow. And he, I said, Ivan, <laughs> I haven't seen him since 1961. He so said, he, he I, I, I knew workers. that you were marching out today, therefore I decided, me and my wife, to come here and show a bit of moral support. Ivan Rozojevich. Wow. Yeah, big man. Uh, and remembered since 61 to 2012 was a long time. Yeah. See, look at the solidarity of the human race, comrade. Don't say comrade, all right. You can say comrade here, Father. Can you say yeah, comrade yeah, here? Yeah, sure. Because some of those are down my way, Albert Park, they get a bit nervous. <laughs> they think we're all going to turn commo or something. Eh? Did you get a choice about your first posting? or no. You just get sent, sent wherever. Yep. And then after a while there, that's the story of my life. Um, I've been sent. Uh, I never was able to choose. So I went from Heidelberg, short stay, across to the suburbs of Ashburton. Housing ministry on one side of High Street, uh, private housing on the other side. Therefore, you've got another community divided by a road. Huh? Uh, my idea was always um, coming from both sides of the tracks because we were poor, um, the family was, 
they did all right after the war, but I mean, uh, my my lot was poor. One side of the road and the other side of the tracks was um, uh, Burwood and uh, those kinds of places. Um, so I found Catholicism was able to speak to both. In fact, it has to speak to both. If it doesn't speak to both, well, and then it's talking to itself, which it ended up doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, right. Father, we're going to play another music track. What are we going to play? Just for the sake of our listeners. Well, um, I just thought we could play some so, something called, you know, this guy's called Leon Bridges. Oh. Uh, do you know him? Who is he? Well, he's, I don't even know who he is. I really? just like his music. So, you tell me if you like this. He might be sending hidden messages. <laughs> All right. Once again, caught off guard. I don't know how I do this so often. Uh, you're listening to Mad Village. The track we just heard was called Bad Bad News by Leon Bridges. Ooh. Father, did you like that? Yeah, I loved every minute of it. Bad, <laughs> bad news. Huh? It's a challenge, comrade. You are a bit of a radio professional, Father. You, you no, spend a bit of time days. on the radio. Oh, God, we started. I remember with Harold Holt. You've never heard of him. No, I, do, I, I have, yeah. It was on the way to 3DB. I'll never forget that night. And they said, do not worry, Father Maguire. You can be a few minutes late because we've got the news that Harold Holt has disappeared from Portsea. <laughs> so I remember that occasion. So I went in and we were 10 minutes or 15 minutes late for the news. And what uh, did you do at 3DB? 3DB, we had Sunday night show for about two hours. Uh, I had, and that gave me an opportunity to be a social activist because you could drag in an occasional street person and say, tell these people out there what you think. See? <laughs> and then also I then went from there, DB, to AW for a long time. I was on AW. Of a, they said, oh, it's the graveyard on Sunday night. There's nobody wants to the... I said, will you take two hours? So I thought, well, you know, being feral, I never left, look a gift horse in the mouth. So I grabbed two hours and we ended up doing a two-hour show of, you know, interesting people, interviewing them. And also it was talkback. So, Father, you know, on our humble radio show, yeah. uh, one of the things that we like doing... Is because it's it's called Mad Village. We have the Village Idiot of the Week, and you know Carol was asking me, you know she she was telling me about her suggestion for today, and I thought you would definitely agree. Well, I'm the Village Idiot of the Week. No, not I don't you. mind. No, not no, you. no, no. I, I've nominated. Have you got somebody? I've nominated someone this week, and that's uh, Matthew Guy. <sighs> Poor Matthew Guy. Poor Matt, yeah, I'm. I was particularly upset with their. Uh, policy announcement or, or yeah. stunt over the weekend about so-called making Victoria a safer Yeah, but his place. agency will have instructed him that that was the best brand booster that he could get for the election. Absolutely. That's what offends See? me, is building this this false notion of fear yeah. that we have in Victoria. Yeah. This, this sense that it's becoming more dangerous and yeah. criminals are getting yeah. bolder. And, I and told him in Twitter, I said, do not run an election campaign like this because it may win you votes, but in fact it is wrong do the math Matthew do the math the math says what you're saying is not true and Father Bob what was his response to your tweet oh no he doesn't say anything back to me he doesn't have to see because I'm not vote worthy 
See, they don't, you know that, for heaven's sake. The capitalists don't deal. I mean, what the ones who think they're capitalists, who aren't, you see, because capitalists are realists, you see. Um, and they also know that they've got to be compassionate as well as be uh, financially successful. That's in their philosophy, you see what I mean? So these others, God knows who these others are. But you see, uh, the only thing they can do when they've got their backs to the wall, because the whole world is changing now, it realises that the extremes of capitalism and socialism, you see, are not working. See? Maybe they never did, but, I mean, they were all there was to hand, you know, since 1917 for the uh, socialists, 1917, the revolution in Russia... And the capitalist, the money revolution, I presume the industrial revolution or something. Now, that's all running out, you see. We're going to now have to do the unthinkable, and that is we're going to have to be communitarians and, and learn to share, you see. Because I saw Michael Moore last night on the television, the, the famous Michael Moore, the American social commentator, um, and he was uh, talking about these, these, these the, the capitalists problems these days is that it makes no sense because he asked some of the experts in the uh, stock exchange could you explain to me derivatives simply now the blokes who even who were the experts in it stammered stuttered dribbled did all kinds of because they couldn't you see nobody can explain that outrageous concept unless you want to go to the to the casino and say, well, this is the same as the stock exchange. Everybody's just laying bets. So, I mean, these days, um, we've got a big opportunity, and so and, and, and Banksia Gardens is an, ex, an, an ex, example of, of communitarianism. So we have to share. In fact, I was thinking the other, about your Old Testament, uh, the, the old, 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 old Testament, which goes back to the desert, um, one of the one of the wise words from allegedly God was, "Hey, listen, you people who own orchards, yes, uh, when you're finishing finished gathering your fruit, yes, and some of it has fallen over the fence into the yes, don't go out and collect the fallen fruit. Leave it there for people who have no fruit. Isn't that nice? Mm. And I said I might go to the stock exchange." And say, hey, listen, boys and girls, when the bell rings, anybody who's got left over, you see, um, and I've got to be careful because this is a Marxist saying, I think, to each according to their needs from each according <laughs> to their abilities. Uh -huh. See? But I said if we applied that to the stock exchange, we'd have some surplus funds to share with people. You know what I mean? How'd we get onto that? We were, we're actually with oh, the we were. village hey, idiot of the week. Matthew yeah. <laughs> you see, he's going to sell us a pup, you see, and he's going to follow the philosophy which I saw beautifully and uh, neatly uh, described the other day, uh, fear-driven elite panic. That Isn't describes it, it nice. very well. It's fear-driven, uh, and, and they all know, you see, uh, even they, when they put you to sleep in the bed in in uh, in Espanol, didn't they? 
They said, homie, homie, yes. Um, the boogeyman will get you unless you fall asleep straight away. I don't know what you have in Spanish. What is a boogeyman? What's that? <laughs> huh? El hombre, el hombre del saco. Aha! See? So that's what they, you know, they, they, the church even used it a thousand times. You see what Definitely. I mean? Definitely. Thousand times. But I mind you, I missed that because in the old, 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 old days, all you had to do was get up in the pulpit of the church, full of people, um, and say, ladies and gentlemen, if you do not help the poor, you will go to hell. Now, look how simple is that for a brand boost? Simple. These days you won't get away with that. See, I, they don't believe, you know, they believe they're in hell already because they haven't got all the money in the universe, each, each. <laughs> so to them, that's hell. You see? Oh, my God, somebody down the street's got another yacht. Darling, we better get a third yacht. See? Sad, isn't it? See? Or as Alf Garnett, who you will remember from your youth as a British comedian, no. Elf Garnet. I don't think it was ever translated into Spanish. <laughs> he used to refer to this effluent community. Yeah. See? Which is not nice, but it's all prophetic. <laughs> not this affluent society, but this effluent society. Yep. You see? And that's sad. I'm sad about that. I'm not angry, but I'm sad that this place, which is um, almost heaven on earth, Australia, uh, in theory it is, uh, is in fact uh, at least at least no no no. Will I say hell on earth? It's hell on earth, but the the beauty of the human spirit is that in fact it can build heaven from hell. You see, and that's been proven around the world when something ghastly happens, and people say, "Oh my God, oh my God!" Like your magnificent uh, painting. What's that called? Oh, Guernica. Yes, look at this. You look at the, you, you've got, you know, all of those tragedies and shock and horror. And yet out of it comes an extraordinary, beautiful uh, uh, resurgence. See? Yeah. With the bushfires in Victoria. So they said, oh my God, we've lost everything. No, you haven't. You see? Because the first ones on the scene started to rebuild already, and they were the locals. Then came the emergency services. You see, yeah. is that what you do out there at uh, Banksia Gardens? Father, can can yes. we uh, can we go back for a sec to uh, you know? I mean, I find this all really interesting, but no, I, I'd like to learn a few more things about you. Yeah. So, 1960 something. So 1961, I was commissioned as a Roman Catholic priest. I went to Heidelberg. Yeah. I went to Ashburton. Yeah, and I then went across to Braybrook. Yeah. Paul. Parish church had burnt down, electrical fault. Um, parish school had survived. Uh, I stayed there for five minutes, long enough to run one football team and a swimming team and a basketball team. Uh, they've never had the opportunity. They had no entitlement. So we got them across town, across town, to the basketball stadium. Oh, my God, they'd never see anything like it in their lives. See, but we did enough of that to create a bit of what? Uh, enthusiasm. Uh, then I went from there. Oh, I went across town to East Q. They oh, were wow. nice. a contrast. Yeah, yeah, they were all contrasts. Mm. They were nice people. Somebody said to me the other night at a show I was at, 
the Ronald Dale Barassi Memorial Dinner. <laughs> because the Melbourne Football Club has to raise money to help their players who are suffering after football. It's only starting now. God love them. You see what I mean? Um, and I met a woman that she said, oh, I'm Doctor Who. Uh, not Doctor Who, I'm Doctor... <laughs> Doctor somebody or other, and she said you were our priest when I was a teenager in East Q. Oh, my God, we love this, 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 this and this. Wow. So I thought, that's nice, isn't it? After East Q, uh, off we went to Ivanhoe, which was nice. Lots of lovely people in Ivanhoe and a lovely little pointy church, a nice little place. Uh, no prob- problems much. They were all down the road in uh, West Ivanhoe. And then we went from there ah, to Seymour for five minutes. Up the thing. I'd never been to the bush before. I didn't know what happened because I arrived there after six in winter. <laughs> no lights. Where's the lights? There's no lights. And then I stayed there for five minutes and a job became available in the Australian Army. That's what I was going to yes, ask. Yes, so we joined. Are we, is it, is, we're getting close to Vietnam, are Vietnam we? Vietnam we are. Mm-hmm. We're Vietnam now. Um, so I went to... It was only from there to there. Seymour to Pakapanyal, the army camp. And then I spent four years in the, uh, the army, full-time duties... Uh, not overseas, too fat. Not overseas, too fat. H.O., home only. But my job was a part of the what was called then the character training team because they had that uh, as part of the Australian uh, what uh, curriculum, uh, the Australian Army curriculum, um, as much as learning to fire uh, rifles on rangers, you also had to learn, allegedly, and learn uh, that character was as valuable to the Australian service person as the ability to shoot targets or humans. Now, that was fascinating. You see? Well, where'd that come from? See, that's secular humanism at its best. See? And it's based on the Greek theory of uh, what? Character being the main natural resource that you have. But it can go off like a bottle of stale milk if there's no, uh, what, uh, like you have at Banksia Gardens, an environment which encourages character <coughs> to flourish, you see. So what was your role in the character building? Oh, I had to make bloody speeches from the crack of dawn until sundown. We had to run courses. There was a beautiful course which I wish to God we had kept going afterwards because that's what the kids need now, character training. And it's not religious. It's spiritual. It's based on the uh, the Greek ideas of uh, aspects of character, honesty and truthfulness. So they weren't dividing the um, the soldiers in, they, into religions? No, they were all there. I can see them now in a bloody, uh, what do you call it, a, a Nissan hut. Eight o'clock in the morning it is. There's 200 soldiers in there, and they're all 20 years of age, and they're all smoking in those days. And then uh, we had to, I was the performing monkey, um, and the structure was you would have input from me or from one of the other chaplains. Um, we start off today, ladies and gentlemen, by trying to work out uh, what was the first thing you would do if you were on a desert island. Uh, you had uh, food and water... Uh, you couldn't get off the island. What is the first thing that you would do? 
Blah, 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 blah. All right. Off we go into discussion groups run by themselves. Back we come for the forum. See, reports, please. Thank you very much. The first thing that you group decided you would do, the first thing we would do would be to elect a, a leader. Oh. So we went through... Nearly always it was the first thing we would do is to elect a leader. What the... So that's important. The, the, they knew that it's important to have a leader. Same at Anzac Day reminds people, not of, the, uh, not of the value of the generals, but you see every small group of soldiers would have decided that Fred Nurk, Joe Blow, was the one with leadership in their trench and they would rely on him for advice. See? General Blood is over there in the headquarters, you see, but Joe's the, the local leader, you see. So we yeah. did that and uh, the course lasted for X number of uh, statutory periods and then um, they loved it. They loved it. And this would have been the first time that you've actually worked with non-Catholics. Oh, you did. But in the parishes that you went to, you made sure, I made sure that I was working with the neighbourhood. Had to be the neighbourhood. Excuse me, but can non-Catholics play football with the young Catholic workers team? I said, well, why not? You don't have to be a Catholic to be playing with the young Catholic workers team. That's simply a brand that says we are sponsoring this team. They say, what are you going to do, keep out the housing ministry people because they're not... Ca-? Fair go. So I've had that communitarian idea, you see, uh, all my life, probably from back from Paran where we, where we grew up um, because even then at the age of about, what, 11 or 10 or something, we started a little team of footballers called the Paran Rovers. <coughs> We worked it out ourselves that if we didn't actually stick together as a uh, not nice but uh, what sociable uh, little boys, in fact, we would go the way that was uh, waved in front of us. If you do the wrong thing, you will end up. Where are we going to end up? Oh, the boys' home. That's right. That was the boogeyman. Right. So we said, hey, listen, we better start playing football around at Orong Park. Um, together and in other words we watch each other's backs see so that was nice that started me off I saw it work then and I've decided it's the one it works <laughs> you see what I mean and that's what I'm trying to do at South Melbourne um, it's hard it's hard because it's what everything's expensive these days in those days I think we had a nice man who bought us jumpers So, um, Father, yeah. oh, when did you when did your run-ins with the with the with the official church start? Oh, look, they were always a bit. They gave me dirty jobs to do, and then they panicked. See, if they said there's a bloke at where I won't name the place because there was three or four of them that they sent me to, where there was a, a parish priest who was either drunk and disorderly or he was a, a lunatic. See what I mean? Mm. Go there, help the poor people to get through that ordeal because we're stuck with that bloke. And they were because they had the, uh, what do you call it, the rules of engagement. Once you've appointed somebody as the parish priest, you can't easily. See what I mean? 
because according to the administrative chart, he had been a, you, you've got to leave him alone unless he sins or commits crime, which is the ordeal we're going through now in the Roman Church, uh, because it has the chain of command, you know what I mean? So uh, um, what did you say? When you're having some run-ins with them. Oh, well, only, uh, yeah, uh, not until I got to South Melbourne, really, and then we did all the right stuff there because it was an empty area, an empty neighbourhood of, what, all the Catholics had been moved out by Jeff uh, Kennett when he pulled everything down, factories and uh, workmen's cottages because of developers. See what I mean? Same's happening now at Fisherman's Bend. Developers. You see, as though that was the kind of the kingdom of heaven on earth was a new tower for people to live in. I'm saying, yeah, you've just created another what example of disconnected, of un, of interconnected loners. Mm. The people in the housing ministry are far more connected than the people in the high rise, uh, rich people's towers. You see, because they know about resilience and bravery, huh? Whereas the rich have got to learn that from the poor. How to be resilient and how to be brave. You see? Because what are they going to do when they lose all their money? Huh? Panic. It's no good panicking. You've got to keep your head while everybody else is losing theirs. So we uh, we only had a run in, you see. They all reckoned uh, we were doing good down there. They were nervous because once you start asking people in a parish church to put the poor first... But they don't go to church, Father. I said, well, that's beside the point. See what I mean? First the poor. Open the book at the page where the, uh, the founder of the firm says. <laughs> See? If you don't help the poor, you'll go to hell. It, oh. What is it? Is it, it is easier? It is harder for a camel to go through the... Yeah, that it? thing. Yeah. Camel to get through the eye of a needle, which presumably means the door at the gate of the city. Mm. The eye, I think. Mm. It's still hard because the camel hits its head. Mm. It's it's harder to do that Yeah but all the other sayings too You know I mean I was hungry and you fed me When was I you I never met you during my lifetime <clears throat> Yes you did as often as you did As the least of my Brethren you did it to me So that became my Catch cry after a while for my Foundation which was um, So that was Open Families Was it the oh, Open Family was first And they got sick of me <coughs> See because we were ugly, and as you know what boards are like, they don't want to be ugly. See, because it doesn't look good on their CV. You see what I mean? Oh, yes, I was a member of what? Were you, were you a member of the board? MASH. <laughs> oh, hello. I mean, that's a bit eccentric. <laughs> yes, but do you, do you read the annual report? The annual report says we got the job done. Oh. Oh, I don't think that's enough, though. I think it's actually got to look good. Mm. And get the job done. I was asked a bit much, comrade. <laughs> you see, because you wear yourself out, you know. Oh, well, we get another group who will look good and we'll have your group that gets the job done. <laughs> <laughs> see what I mean? So, um, yeah, the uh, when we started to look good, because we were, we, we, we were becoming in South Melbourne after 35 years, the heart of the neighbourhood, see, like your place. Mm. The heart of the neighbourhood. You know better than anybody else, but you happen to be through what? Uh, Through your ability to get the job done and to be compassionate as well. 
that's what that's what I believed that parishes should or local church ashrams mosques whatever should be. So we got to that stage, and lo and behold, ladies and gentlemen, I was seventy five years of age, and according to the Book of Rules, the Archbishop may send you away at the age of seventy five. He doesn't have to prove anything. The chain of command says he can send you away. So he said, get out. And I said, but I... So he said, all right, you can have another two and a half years. So we did another two and a half and we built 34 units of community housing in the backyard of the parish. Just got it in before we were kicked out. So there it is as a reminder. I don't know that it, that, that it makes... Uh, the boss is happy because it's there. Mm. 42 units of community housing, for God's sake. We could have had another church there or chapel, but there'd be nobody in it. doesn't matter. It would be there, you see. I said, well, there's 42, you know, uh, people sent by God who are in there. Huh? Read the book. It <laughs> says that as often as you didn't, see. So after that, unfortunately, I had to grab the foundation <coughs> uh, because if I'd left it there, it would have died. So I grabbed the foundation and went down the street and moved into, somebody moved me into uh, uh, a shop. Oh, it's too dear. Anyway, I'm in the shop. I've been there for six years. And uh, I run the foundation from the shop administratively and I live there. But also down the road, we, uh, thanks to Crown Resorts, they pay the rent on a little warehouse where we store all our goods, or we park all our three trucks we have, and food supplies, and people can come four days a week, I think, uh, for takeaways, mm-hmm. you see. So we've got a bit of that and a bit of that. What we would hope to do in the future, but I won't live long enough, will be to uh, build a community hub, which we, like your joint, and build it, I think, Fisherman's Bend, mm-hmm. I think. I said, how are the poor going to get to Fisherman's? But they said, there's a tram goes there, there's a train goes there, there's a bus goes there. That sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. You know what it's like out there because people take for They've got a thing, what do you call it? A Mikey, is it? Mm. Card. Um, I'm old-fashioned. I forgot that people could just go as far as they like, can't they, on a Mikey card? No, they can't. Can't they? No, it's different zones. Oh, different zones. Well, all that stuff, you know. Well, we'll give them a nap. We'll give them a nap. I was going to tell Melbourne Football Club the other night, what you need is a nap. (laughs) To give it to all your uh, ex-footballers so that they can have access to resources uh, at their... Mm -hmm. Fingertips. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not pick up the, excuse me, could I? And they say, we value your call. We'll be there at about, you are 133 on, on, the, on the list and we have beautiful music for you to listen to. See, so we'll be back. They, don't want to, they can't wait for that long. See, so they've got an app that puts them in touch with somebody who knows that it's what kind of person it is on the other end of the phone and they're compassionate and caring, as well as being fairly, as you know, uh, what was the word be, uh, uh, down to earth and practical as well. You see what I mean? Mm. Um, Father, I'm yes. afraid 
Is we, it time? Yeah, we've run out of time. I'm very grateful to you. No, it's fantastic that we could have a chat with you no, this burble, morning. Burble, burble, burble. It was, it's very, very interesting. Really? You're a bit of a natural. You should, you should keep doing, it, do it again. We'll keep talking all day. Well, I'm going to start one of my own shows. I think I'll do it on YouTube because I'll have to learn. I uh, people keep saying, "Ah, oh, we love listening to you." I said, "But I'm old. I'm 83 and a half, and I mean, I can't see how what I have to say is." Uh, but they, she, she, they said you're like a jazz player. You've got a theme. And you beat around the thing. <laughs> that's right. I think that's and a beautiful description. Yeah. Isn't it nice? <laughs> so that made me feel better. Because <clears throat> I thought it'd be nice if I stood on a podium and gave a lecture. Like the, what do you call it? The TED Talks. The TED Talks. Well, you, you've no. got your new pulpit now, which is Twitter. Oh, it's well, Twitter, yeah, but I don't want to overdo it on Twitter. Frighten them. I don't you think know. there's such a thing. I don't think you can overdo no, Twitter. you can't do Twitter. I was saying to somebody last night, I was in church actually last night, and I said, I was thinking about whether we should have a web page <coughs> that's not Twitter, but it's the, uh, what do you call it, the, 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 the Miner's Canary. See? Now, I thought the Miner's Canary listeners, coal mines, uh, whatever mining, I thought that the story was that they had a canary in there which with poisonous gases, like last night, the durian gases, mm. must have leaked out and made people sick. Anyway, that the bird warned them that this poisonous gas... No, I was told last night, you fool. said, the bloody canary drops dead. <laughs> that's right, exactly. That's I said, well, that's, I can't very well have a web page <coughs> called after the bird is canary. You see, better stick with Twitter. <laughs> at least the thing's still still tweeting. Not that noise. This is from the Bob McGuire's Foundation page, and this is the signature. <laughs> what was that? That's the Miners Carey drop dead. Thank you for having me. By the Father, way, it was fantastic. Carol and uh, Jaime. Thank you. And uh, all praise, honour, and glory to um, to Banksia Gardens for the job that it's doing, and more power to the arm of our beloved Gina Dougal. Beautiful. Well, with those words, Father, we're going to leave you, leave all of our listeners with your last selection, Always Look, look on the Bright Side oh, of Life. yes. By Eric, is it Idol or Idol? Yeah, Idol. Idol, beautiful. Yep. All right. See you all next week. Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, don't grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. <laughs> 